Oh, defensive touchdowns are always nice. Damon Arnett had one for the Buckeyes against uh, Indiana. I wouldn't say that there's no chance they'll have another one against Miami of Ohio on Saturday. 3.30 kick, Buckeyes and Red Hawks tomorrow in Ohio Stadium. It's not a headline game, but there are some headline games in the um, nation, Mr. Spielman. And there's one in the Big Ten that's going to tell us an awful lot about how tough Ohio State's final game of the regular season will be at Michigan. Well, I, I think it's a, a big test for Michigan, and Michigan was supposed to be, and so far, I know it's early, but I, I think they've underperformed, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and Wisconsin is beating teams like they're supposed to beat, be beaten, and Jonathan Taylor is certainly not uh, disappointed in his performance in that big offensive line from Wisconsin from the Things that I've saw are, are the same as they've always been. The question at Wisconsin is what kind of quarterback play are they going to get when they need to get quarterback play? Exactly. Well, that question could be said of the other team in this matchup. And so uh, when we want to talk Michigan football, uh, we go to the source for all things Michigan football. Now, she has accomplished much in her career. She's uh, worked on uh, auto racing for ESPN. She's won awards. She's got her own podcast. But without a doubt, the gleaming and glowing accomplishment of her career is that she is the first guest ever on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. She is Angelique Shingalis of the Detroit News. Hello, Angelique. How are you? That is that is my my <laughs> highlight, right? There is no doubt. I mean, I want when you play that highlight of Chris intercepting. I want I want that to be part. I want you mentioning that to be part of my highlight. Please. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, I got to tell you. I don't see any way Michigan wins this game because I haven't been impressed with what I've seen so far. You know, I'm not a big Shea Patterson guy. Um, the new offense looked like the old offense against Army. Uh, so what's the vibe up there in Ann Arbor? Are they a confident football team, and are they a confident fan base? Maybe those are two different answers. Two different answers, Bruce. I mean, it's definitely a confident team. They're definitely saying the right things. Last night had a chance to talk to Shea Patterson, said they want to make a statement, which – you know, the fans hear that, and it's it almost sounds like he was making a guarantee. And I'm just like, maybe they want to make a statement that they're actually better than they've looked the first two games. And then, you know, you talk to Josh Metellus and, and mentioned that, hey, you guys are underdogs. I mean, they're the higher-ranked team, but they're going in as slide underdogs. And, you know, he's like, wow, we don't, we don't ever feel like underdogs. You know, we're Michigan. So, you know, <laughs> they have their little swagger. But the fans are definitely um, – it, it definitely has a sense of sky is falling already. and. And I think that that's a you know, product of over-promising and over-hyping. And I guess you can blame the media for all the stories we've written about Josh Gaddis's speed in space. And it's going to be, you know, getting the balls in the, in the hand of the playmakers. And it's going to be crazy. They're going to score every time they've got the ball. That's what they were saying. Angel so I think they haven't delivered yet. Angelique, we were talking a little bit earlier. And it's funny, our, our conversation, because I made this observation to Bruce I think it was last week or even two weeks ago that how long is it before Jim Harbaugh is going to say, all right, it's not working. I can't take it anymore. I'm going back to what I know. And if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. I'm starting to call the plays. Yeah. I mean, I just picture Jim with the big hook, you know, and you're getting a comedian off stage, stage who's bombing, you know, you just pull him off. And, and I, that is a question, Chris. I mean, 
you know, I, we all know Jim Harbaugh. I mean, we've watched him coach for several years now, watched him as a player. I mean, I, I don't think he's a patient guy. I, I believed him when he said he handed the keys to, to Josh Gaddis to run this offense. But I, I wasn't the only one who felt this way in the Army game, especially that second half. It felt like Jim was calling plays and insists that that wasn't the case, that that was the way the game was going. And, and Josh gave a very thorough explanation for some of the decisions that were made in in-play calling and uh, going for it on fourth down when they had a field goal opportunity. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really I, – I just I've covered him now for four years. This is my fifth season, and, and I can't imagine he's that patient. But they've made an investment in this offense. They made an investment in Josh Gaddis. You've got to give it some time. It's just, you know, what what is the limit for Jim Harbaugh? And that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the other thing, and what is the limit for the fan base? I mean, I know that within the walls of Michigan, they're not talking about this. But do you hear any chatter about, man, the, just the divide between Ohio State and Michigan? It's not getting closer. Just watching Michigan the first two weeks and watching Ohio State the first two weeks, as a Michigan fan, I'm saying, oh, my, are we – are we ever going to catch him? Oh, I think that that's definitely a, a sentiment among this this fan base, and maybe they're not talking about it yet. But you know, going into this season in July at the Big Ten Media Days, Chris, I mean, a lot of the questions were, "Okay, Michigan guys, is this your chance now? Urban's gone." And to their credit, the Michigan players are like, "Well, this is Ohio State. I mean, they're just because Urban Meyer's gone doesn't mean they're gonna they're gonna take a step back." <laughs> And I think they're seeing it. And I yeah. keep saying Ryan Day is the real deal. He's a yeah. great recruiter. Yeah, he was running. He had Dwayne Haskins doing what Dwayne Haskins was doing. And this guy's got amazing energy. I don't think he's daunted by the task. <laughs> I think Michigan fans see that now, especially what they did to my alma mater, Cincinnati, last week. I mean, you know, this is a team, or a couple weeks ago, this is a, a team that's that's a machine. And, and I think Michigan fans are like, you know, okay, when is the gap going to close? And, you know, the question this year was, well, if not this year, when? I mean, it sets up. They've got their three rivalry games here at Michigan Stadium, including Ohio State, obviously. But is that enough? And right now, no. I mean, you you can't say that the gap is closed. There's there's no way you can say that. And, you know, Fields is playing really well. Um, All these question marks that I had, you know, how's this offensive line going to look, replacing so many starters? How's Justin Fields going to look? Yeah, I mean, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, he obviously is keeping him healthy. Yeah, and um, you know that that would definitely put a wrinkle if if he got you know unfortunately hurt. But um, but yeah, I mean, no one can stop them right now. It's it's you know I don't know how you can say anybody but uh, Ohio State has a chance to win the Big Ten East right now. No, um, here's here's a meaning. Maybe it's a meaningless observation. But it was one that Bruce and I chatted about, and it made me think of my father as a high school football coach. After the win against Army, they brought the game ball up, and, you know, I get it, a win's a win. But uh, I just don't think, like, Ohio State would be giving out any game balls for oh. an eke a win out of Army. And when I just remember, you know, my dad did a lot of great things as a coach and did some things he probably – Wish he wouldn't have. It was uh, Canton Timken playing Gilmore Academy out of Cleveland. We were Timken was favored. My dad was a coach at Timken. were favored by probably three or four touchdowns. I think the Trojans ended up pulling it out seven to three, and all the guys got up into 
at the end of the game in the locker room, all right, give us a one, two, three pride cheer. And my dad stopped the cheer and said, pride? You have no pride. You only beat them by four points. Everybody on the bus. And so I just think that's the standard that if you're not living up to your standard, I just think Ohio State, you know what I'm I don't think Ohio State would have a game ball up there if they eke past Miami 14 to 10. Well, to be fair, Aiden Hutchinson had the ball. He said he picked it up. It was the, the on the last play. He he picked it up and okay. took it with him. That's good. <laughs> so, okay. But you know, I think there was some criticism. I think uh, Herb Street says, I mean, you know, he's like, really, Michigan fan, Michigan players are running <laughs> into the student section, and I'm like, you know, if they if they won the game, they eked it yeah. out. You know, they survived, and then they went and joined the army team in the. That was uh, cool. Now that was that cool. Was really yeah, cool. that was that cool. Was cool. But, you know, I think that they know they got, they escaped. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I asked Hutchinson about the ball. He's like, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I just took it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure they were. Give it to Army. They deserved that. it more than you they, did. They did. They sure <laughs> did. They played so hard. They played really hard. I was talking to Michigan's baseball coach about that yesterday. He watched the game and, and he said the baseball team had played Army. And he said, he, you know, these guys just play with a different level of intensity and he saw it, you know, he saw it on when they played him in baseball, and then he saw it again when Michigan played him uh, a couple weeks ago on the on the football field. So, I mean, it's just a tough team. I don't know why anybody schedules a service academy. I really don't. I mean, I, I just think you're asking for trouble. Yeah. And there's no win. There is no, and and you know, I asked Don Brown because he kept saying, you know, we just I've been preparing since spring, and I finally said, well, how much time do you put in for preparing for Army for a service academy? And he said, ten of the fifteen spring practices they spent. One period a day on Army, and then a couple days into camp, they started on Army and carried it through the Middle Tennessee, the season opening week. So they do spend a lot of time on it, and it's just like, now what? I mean, they just throw those those pages away and because they're not going to use it the rest of the year. So I'm just like, why schedule? Just get them off your schedule. Angelique Shangalis is our guest. She covers Michigan for the Detroit News, and you can follow her on Twitter at Angelique, and Michigan plays at Wisconsin. On Saturday, uh, this uh, whole army thing to me, though, Angelique, is uh, it's to me a little bit indicative of a larger issue. When I start to see Michigan talk about, well, you know, we're academic this and academic that, and it's it almost seems like a <laughs> subliminal lowering of expectations yes, for the program. Like, well, you know, we brought Harbaugh in here to beat Ohio State and to win national titles, and you know, we may not be able to do that, so we're still really good over here. And I don't know, am I? do you get any sense of that from the former players you talk to? Because I know you're really dialed in with former players. And sure, you're proud of your academic reputation and all that. I get it. But I also know that they want to win at the highest level. I'm sure the former players do. Oh, yeah. I mean, the former players I talk to are, are uh, not happy. Um they, yeah, okay, they, they can talk about the academics, but they want to win. They want to see this program win, and they want to see a, a, a Michigan offensive line out there. They want to see a, a group dominating, and, and, you know, there was no – really, there was I, – I really, when I look at that Army game, my takeaway was the offensive line did not play particularly well. There was no push. You know, they, if they're running back, Zach Charbonnet, their freshman – Average three, three point three yards a carry. I mean, he ran hard, but they, he just wasn't getting room, and did not wasn't able to convert on those two fourth down uh, calls in the in the in the second half. But yeah, no, I think the general consensus among the the former players I talked to is is they're pretty ticked off. I mean, they want to yeah. see this team win. 
and it's it's not moral victories for them. Uh, they know, you know, they, they're confident. They know that Michigan is a very fine academic institution, but they want to be a very fine football institution, too, and know that the, the program has not carried its weight. And, and yes, you can say Harbaugh's had 10 win seasons, and, and that's he's pulled them back from the doldrums, but um, the thing that Jim was saying, or you know, they want to get over the hump, and, and getting over the hump meant changing and, and hiring Josh Gaddis, and that seemed like a good idea. And, and and no one's saying no one's abandoning ship, but people are, you know, I think people did expect them to come out explosive. They wanted them to look like, uh, you know, what Ohio State's looked like these first couple of weeks, and and they haven't seen that yet. And and you know, Shea Patterson's promising that again last night, and. Um, maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones will be back, but you know, it's one player is not the missing link here. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, things have not been going right for them and turnovers on top of that list. But no, I, I mean, I think the fans are, are demanding, uh, more, the former players are, and, um, you know, you can talk about all you want about, you know, everything, all the opportunities they're getting and, and that's well established, but at, at the end of the day, people want to see wins. What's your sense of him? What's your sense of him in terms of I've always said he's not going back to the NFL, that he loves the college adoration, uh, that yeah. he could never be the center of attention in the NFL like he was in college. And I also don't think he's made to like give up on a fight if he's not winning the fight. Uh, I don't think he no, wants I, that on him to walk away. But what's your sense of him? And, uh, you know, uh, the whole Gaddis thing was a weird recruitment anyway. It's not like these guys are, you know, buddies. I mean, Ryan Day brought in guys that he's coached with before. I mean, I don't think Harbaugh and Gaddis had ever been together. No, no, they had not been together. And, you know, he, I like a couple of the, you know, he's hired some young guys and I like a couple of the guys on defense when, when Greg Madison and, and uh, Al left for Ohio State, I thought he made some nice hires and, you know, these are guys Don Brown's familiar with. So he does let Don kind of, you know, he calls him the head coach of the defense. It does let him call a lot of shots over there, even in terms of who they should be looking at in, in, in hiring uh, terms. But, no, I, I don't think Jim's going anywhere either. And, I mean, I've talked to Ward Manuel, the athletic director. He wants Jim to stay there forever. So I think that there's you – know, he's comfortable in that sense. He, he knows that, um, that he's not going to get the hook. At least that's what Ward has said. And I do think he enjoys the adoration. I think he enjoys, sincerely enjoys, taking his kids to school where he went to school growing up in Ann Arbor. I think he loves having his parents next door. I mean, he's – Jack's in the building all the time. I mean, that's his, um, I don't know if, I don't want to say a security blanket, but I think, you know, he's got his dad. He leans on him a lot. And I think he's got a really nice setup. And I think he is done. He's done, I think these trips to overseas, I think they're they're fantastic educational tools and, and recruiting tools, obviously. But, um, you know, he wants to win. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, he doesn't express it the way I think fans want to see it. He's not pounding his fist and and sometimes I kind of like why isn't he doing that like Monday of Ohio State week why isn't he more overtly emotional and that's just not how he handles things but I think inside he's um he's a little twisted and and he wants to get this thing done and he wants to win and he knows it's not happening right away but he's also not going to throw the players under the bus so um, they've got to make changes. They got to make better. They've got to put these guys in better positions to win. And sometimes it doesn't look like they know how to do that. I mean, I, frankly, it looks like the play calling. There were times last year you're just scratching your head, and I did it again the second half of the Army game. It was like, what's going on here? Well, win or lose Saturday, you're going to have an interesting week next week, and we look forward to hearing uh, whatever comes out of the Wisconsin game. We appreciate it, and congratulations, by the way, on your new career achievement of being the first guest on the Spelman yeah. Hooley podcast. <laughs> 
I am thrilled. I'm, I'm going to go actually go update my LinkedIn profile right now. Fantastic. So. Yeah. And, <laughs> Michigan is no U- University of Cincinnati, by the way. <laughs> Academic speaking, of course. That's right. that's very true. <laughs> that's your alma mater, is it not? <laughs> that is my alma mater. That's what I thought. Bearcats. All right. Thanks so much, Angelique. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Bruce. All right. See you later. There you go. Angelique Shangalis, Detroit News. Uh, I got, got a an, great academic institution <clears throat> here, Bruce. I got an idea why he's not pounding the table the week of Ohio State game, because he knows. <laughs> he's, he's a I realist. Mean, would you, would you build up a game you know you're not going to win? Not publicly. No. I wouldn't. In, inside the walls, yeah. Behind closed doors with my guys, yes. But publicly, no. No. There's no. Need why to. would you set yourself up? Set yourself up, or even give. A, a little bit of possible motivation to your arch nemesis or your rival. Yeah. It's, you know, I had this conversation with a couple guys Tuesday at Ohio State. It is just, and you've, and I've talked about this before, it is utterly astounding to me <laughs> that this far into his time there, he does not have a man eating offensive line, running back, or quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's his side of the ball. They've and had I, some great defensive players. And I and I can't make sense of it in light of what happened at Stanford, where I mean, people say, well, he had Andrew Luck. Yeah, he had Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck didn't move people off the line of scrimmage like they moved people off yeah. the line of scrimmage. Now, you can say, and maybe this is why, that's the Pac-12, yeah. um, and maybe so. I think he inherited Toby Gerhardt there, so he inherited some good players. But look, he did a really good job at Stanford. That's he did not, a really that's good not job with the 49ers. He did a fantastic <laughs> job with the 49ers. And I think early at Michigan, you know, he didn't win the Ohio State game and he lost it big and people in Columbus were like, ah, oh, this guy's a failure because you want him to be a failure. But he, I thought, early at Michigan did a really good job cobbling it together with Jake Rudick and whatever. And yeah. they won the games they could win. But the next step, that next level, like, you know, Urban went undefeated his first year at Ohio State, but that was not he, – he knew he was doing it with smoke and mirrors. Then he got to the point where he wasn't doing it with smoke and mirrors. Probably doing his it greatest with a, coaching job. Yeah, he was doing it with history. a sledgehammer. Harbaugh's never found a sledgehammer, and that really astounds me. I think um, from the former player's point of view, or for I don't, I don't know who Angelique was referring to, but – when you're talking about a great program, a proud program mm-hmm. like Michigan, a traditional program like Michigan, and you're struggling, then all of a sudden, well, look at the graduation rates. Look at the <laughs> what institution. What we have we can brag about? Yeah, the, I mean, you no, know, that's your that's the fallback, right? It is, but I mean, that's that's. But that just... has nothing to do with what football is and no. and what we're doing and winning and what the goal is. It's. We're not talking about the all jeopardy team here. We're talking no. about the football team and the standard that Michigan has set. They're not Northwestern. I mean, that's are the things you talk about at Northwestern, where you can be good and you're happy being good once every decade. You like can be eight and four at Northwestern yes. and have a job for life, or or seven and five in a bowl game. That's success. That, that's not Michigan. That's I mean, that's not been Michigan. I mean, it's well, kind of been Michigan yeah. since the Trestle era. Yeah. It's it's sad. I want I want the I want a rivalry again, don't you? Oh six was pretty cool. 
or two teams yeah. are undefeated oh, and one two in the country. And getting after it too. Just yeah. getting after it. So, so hasn't happened. Uh I don't think they're gonna win the game at Wisconsin. They've got to go to Penn State. They've got to go to Maryland. Yeah, but they play Iowa at home. They play Michigan State at home. I think they're a lot closer to a three loss team than they are an unbeaten team or a one loss team. I, I, Penn State? I mean <laughs> over I'm just saying Michigan is an above average football team and Penn State at home is better than they are on the road. Yeah. So it wouldn't st- look, Michigan losing at Penn State would not surprise me near like Ohio State losing at Penn State. And I know Ohio State doesn't play at Penn State, but I'm just saying Ohio State teams have gone over there yeah. and lost. And that's a shocker to me. It's not a shocker to me if Michigan loses at Penn State. The Big Ten was completely uh, <clears throat> awful last week. The Big Ten is not good right it's now. Michigan awful. State's a disaster. Penn State's struggling. Uh, Michigan is struggling. Wisconsin is a pretty good That's football the team. team. Wisconsin doesn't have the speed to keep up with Ohio State in my Nebraska's opinion. Nebraska's not bad. Eh, Nebraska's, they're not bad. They're in Northwestern. They're, 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 they're right there with Temple beat Maryland. Who Temple I, beat Maryland. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Uh, it won't matter at the playoff. When Ohio State is undefeated, it won't matter. Now, the one thing it looks to me like, if I had to, you know, crystal ball it, Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin – pull away in the second half, win the game by 14 to 21. And then you'll get a rematch with Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. I have a lot of respect for Paul Crist. I think Paul Crist, mm, I think Paul Crist might be, might be the best coach in the Big Ten. Um, Next to who? I was... <laughs> Come I, on. I can't say it. He's, four, he's three games let, into his career. Let it rip, baby. Let's go on. Paul Christ is a really outstanding football player. Yes, coach. he is. Just I really dude. like Paul Christ. I like Paul Christ the way he calls you better plays. Have, so you're saying you'd better have Paul Christ than Ryan Day? No, I'm not saying okay. that. Okay. No, I'm not saying that for sure, brother. No way am I That's saying that. That's the thing about you. This is I. There's not. There's never a gray area with you on your teams that you like or people that you like or that you don't like. There's no gray area. The oddity, the, not the oddity, the characteristic of the Big Ten right now, I think four programs that I, no, let's, I'll add another one. I'll just start ticking them off. Here are the programs that I think have the perfect coach for their program. And part of being the perfect coach for the program is loving the program you're in and not being, you know, looking for another job. The next job. Yeah. Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State. Yeah. Paul Christ, Wisconsin. Yeah. Ryan Day, Ohio State. Yeah. Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern. Yeah. Kirk Ferentz, Iowa. Yeah. Um, Scott Frost, Nebraska. Scott Frost, Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know that uh, Mike Loxley, Maryland. I mean, I we'll don't see know how that, that. We'll see how out. that goes. Uh, you know, those are the ones. Tom so, Allen, Indiana. Yeah, I think Tom Allen loves Indiana. Good. I don't think Indiana loves Tom Allen because they're tired of being 500. But I will caution you, Indiana. <laughs> and this is what Minnesota did when they had Indiana Glenn Mason. Cares. No, they do. They're grumbling about Tom Allen. A 51 to 10 from Ohio State has got him grumbling. I'll oh, see you're recruiting well. Blah, 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 yeah. Well, that's because Purdue whooped they, Ohio State last year. They wanted to get to the next level with, with Bill Mallory. Oh, we're not getting to the next level. Minnesota, oh, we're not getting to the next level with Glenn Mason. Yeah, you got to the next level after you got rid of him. The next level down. Yeah. 500 in Indiana on the cusp of a bowl game. That's who you are. That's just who you are. So, But Michigan's not that. They should worry about their basketball program. They should get it back up to greatness. Program. What Chris they are Holman got a four star. The tradition, week, brother. <laughs> I'm coming after you, candy pants. All right. So Georgia Notre Dame. We alluded on Wednesday to the fact that if you're an Ohio State fan, get out of your anti SEC mindset. You want Georgia to win this game. Come here, Coco. Coco the cat is 
trying to make an appearance yeah. on the podcast. This is what happens when you do the uh, podcast in the country. I'm waiting for them chickens to fly was, the coop I, here you in know, a minute. My daughters and I were talking about this last night. The chickens have a habit of, the only way I could equate it on our podcast that our listeners will uh, understand, of a touchdown celebration when they lay an egg. Oh, yeah? They get quite loud and quite uh, celebratory. <laughs> and I was hoping they would do that while we were on the podcast because I was going to take my phone down there and we'd uh, so get it on the air. they actually bring a whole new meaning to the phrase, he laid an egg. Yes. They're actually excited about it. In a good it. way. In okay. A good way. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Big celebration. What were you asking me about? I Notre was Dame, Georgia, asking about Notre Dame, Georgia. Yeah, you want to root for, obviously, Georgia. All pack, uh, five powers conferences want to root for Georgia. You want to keep Notre Dame out of the playoff because that allows a, a room for a mistake for a team like Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, mm -hmm. Alabama, and Ohio State. Those are the top six, easy top six. Uh, I don't think there's – who can you say seven, Texas or – I mean, Notre Dame would be seven, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah. Notre Dame would be seven. There's nobody in the Pac-12 because Washington yacked away a game at home against yeah. Cal. Oregon's already lost. Utah's a dangerous team. I'm Utah's not saying they're left. I'm not great team, but a dangerous team. Okay, so Utah has USC on Friday night in the Coliseum. And we received uh, an email, and you can always email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. And the email comes from Zachary. And he says... Will Urban and Shelly Meyer be looking at houses with a real estate agent in L.A. this weekend while Urban is out there at the Coliseum doing Utah and USC? No. Well, I don't understand this fascination. Do you People think he's think done? Urban's what, get what's back your gut feeling? I don't think he is. Okay, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I can report. I know what you want here's to say. Here's what I can report. It's not uncommon when I go to the Ohio State football facility to see Urban Meyer in the Ohio State football facility, and if you didn't know that he had retired, you would think he's still coaching the team. Not because I see him in meetings or anything like that. No, I don't want to create. I don't want to create the mis uh, misimpression there. But he's around there, and he's got his coaching togs on and stuff like that. You know. But now John Cooper's around there too. Yeah. Uh, so I just I don't know. To me, it was like what. I'm walking in, and Urban's walking in. I didn't. I read a quote from him this week, and somebody asked him if he was done with coaching, and he said, "Well, I'll see in a year from now." I I like Something I like, like his honesty, where he says, "You know, I think so, but we'll see." Yeah. Florida State will be interested in him. Anybody? There's no way he's going back to Florida. No way he's going back to Florida. The state of Florida. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's no way. Would he go to Auburn? No. Sports by Brooks reported this morning that Auburn. As a wealthy booster who's going to make a big run at Bob Stoops if Gus Malzahn does not beat Alabama. Could, we'll you, see, see, uh, could you see Urban going to Auburn, Alabama? No. I, I could see that. him. I could see him at UCLA. I could see him at USC. I could see him at Notre Dame. I could see him at USC. See Easier him. to get guys into UC, USC than UCLA. I could see him at uh, Penn State. That's about it. That's that's where I would narrow Urban Meyer down to, Penn State. Penn State, really? Notre Dame, USC, and UCLA. If he goes back into coaching, I think only USC on that list. Nope. To me, I I always have my test. Remember my test? My test is, can I see him at the introductory press conference being introduced? I can't see it at State College, PA, middle of nowhere, Sville, USA. Can't see it. 
Can't see it at UCLA either. Too hard to win there. No, it's not. Terry Donahue. Excuse me, great when's the teams. last time UCLA won a national championship? Terry Donahue had great teams. Terry Donahue was okay. Yeah, They weren't great. They weren't top five I all think the time. USC's where you can be top thing. five all the time. I don't think he'd ever go back to the SEC. I'm not I, sure he'd I, want that I think meat that, Yeah, that's that's why. Yeah. I think, yeah. he, well, the Pac-12 is attractive to Pac-12 him. Pac-12 is what the Big Ten was when he came here. Yes, the Pac-12 <laughs> is attractive is. to him. Yeah. Right? Bunch so, of nothing coaches and a bunch of bad programs. So that's why I would say that it uh, – I'll agree with you on Penn State. I'll take that one out of the mix. Plus, he's got his new restaurant open up coming up here, the Pine House or something. So good luck with that venture. But – Notre Dame, UC, USC, or UCLA. That's I guarantee Dame, if he gets back into coaching, it will be at one of those three schools. Notre Dame, USC, or UCLA. That's my guess. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we were, we invite you to review the podcast. A lot of you say it's hard to review the podcast on iTunes, so we're making it easier for you. Go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com. Search Spielman and Hooley. Uh, the podcast reviews help us, and we're getting a lot of five-star reviews, and we appreciate that. We got very, some emails today, too, much. right? Yeah, we got another email here. Zachary's was uh, one. Hard here in the sunlight as we do the show outside today because... Hooley Manor. Shall we tell the people why we're doing the uh, show outside? The reason we're doing the show outside... I have outside, no idea. You're CEO. You I just follow orders. The, the reason why we're doing the show outside is because we had Angelique Shengelis on. And when we do the show in my basement, <laughs> that's right. we don't have a cell signal. And we're going to bring her in on the cell phone. So that's why we had to do the show outside. So the video, we're like in the sun, battling the sun here as it's, it's uh, just, coming up here in the morning. The awful set production. Come By on. the way, it is a beautiful setting, though. Your beautiful yard. And, Thanks. You know, Appreciate I got it. a cat crawling up my leg. Yeah. Go, and go he's cat. not declawed, so he's digging his nails yeah, into my leg. I mean, what? They give tell me some that, warnings. They tell me that's an, uh, uh, an affectionate action, needing their claws. I don't find it affectionate. When he's digging his claws to yeah. climb up it's my like, leg. Oh, I'm, I'm so comfortable, I'm going to, like, you know, just give it a little scratch. No, I, I don't like it either. Stinky, smelly chickens to the bottom yeah. of my right. I, I got a horse to the yeah. in the back. Of, I mean, just be glad I shut the dogs in the <laughs> garage. Jeez. All right. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. We got an email from Mike. Why play Chase Young this week against Miami? We all know OSU can win without him. Chase sitting him eliminates a chance for a fluke injury. We all saw what losing Nick Bosa did to the OSU defense last season. Why punish Chase Young and not let him play? Guy loves to play the game. He's earned the right to play. Let him play. Let him get his number of snaps and his number of plays. I mean, kids train all year long. They go through spring ball. They go through spring training uh, or training camp. For the opportunity to play on Saturdays, that's why you play him. Then, you know, when you feel like he gets enough reps and he does his job, get him out of there. But you can't play being afraid that somebody's going to get hurt. You can't determine playing time by trying to protect somebody. Now, if you're up by 30 at halftime, then certainly that's a fair question to ask. Chase Young, a sack in five straight games. He's chasing Mike Vrabel's school record for sacks. And... uh... Chase Young could join Mike Vrabel as the only guy to have double-digit sacks in two consecutive seasons. Yep. Shocked that neither of the Bosa well, I mean, brothers but, did that. You know, By the way, what do you think of Nick Bosa? You got a good look at him, uh, Niners against the It's going to be really good. I think he's still hobbled, uh, but he's solid against the run. Had some good pressures. Missed, missed a sack, I believe. He's just got to be able to start finishing his sacks. He missed two of them against uh, Jameis Winston in the first game. He ended up with one. 
but he's got this high ankle sprain and I've dealt with that and it's uh you know it's a nagging thing yeah. uh, once he gets healthy though he's just going to be uh, that much more effective they love him in San Francisco Kyle Shanahan John Lynch Robert Sala the defense coordinator we asked him in a production meeting uh you got a pitch count on Nick Bosa he says every time Cincinnati's going to throw the ball I want him in the game wow, I mean I they think that highly that. about him so all right, uh, Browns and uh, Rams on Sunday night. You're going to be doing what game this week? I got the Lions at Philadelphia, so a, a good game. So two uh, one and one teams, or one or Lions are one zero oh and one. And the Eagles are one and one. Eagles uh, have lost their one of their tight ends. They're starting wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, and starting wide receiver in Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have some. Backup wide receiver is a kid by the name of Mac Collins from North Carolina. And you remember the uh, J.J. Ortega Whiteside. That's how he pronounces it, or Ortega Whiteside okay. from Stanford. Really good uh, young player. So that, it's going to be a challenge for uh, the Eagles. Uh, I like Carson Wentz a lot. I think he still makes some mistakes, but I know this, man. That guy is a beast in the pocket. And he's a really good player. And the Lions, everybody keeps asking me, is this the year? I predicted that the Lions would win 10 ball games this year. If they're going to win 10, this is one that they need to get on the road, especially with an Eagles team that has been depleted at wide receiver because of injury. Okay, Browns and Rams on Sunday night. A lot of people have predicted the Browns are going to win 10 games. I would say if they're going to win 10, you can't be losing games at home. They've already lost once at home. They've got a really tough schedule after this with the Patriots and the Seahawks and all these 2-0 and teams right yeah. now. Rams played on Sunday afternoon against the Saints. Browns played on Monday night. Is that a significant preparation advantage? No, there's no. Okay. I think teams are used to that. Here, here's what needs to be a significant preparation uh, thought is Aaron Donald. It's impossible. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. the guy who has to block Aaron Donald and they'll move him around in the interior part of the line, they'll move him to defensive end. Whoever has to block him is, is going to have a little bit of a sleep with some sleepless nights because he is just unbelievable. I mean, there's some great interior defense line. I mean, really great interior defense linemen in the league. Well, we talked about the Browns' but weakness at right guard. There is none like Aaron Donald. And I'm talking about great players, but there's not an Aaron Donald out there. I thought he should have won the NFL MVP last year. Yeah, he's yeah, from inside. From inside. That's crazy. He's unbelievable. Just if you're a football fan when you watch the Browns and the the Rams on a Sunday night, if you're a football fan, just, you know, take 5 or 10 plays and just lock in on where Aaron Donald is. Okay, uh who do you like? Will you travel back and be back in time to watch it? What's your uh, itinerary back? From yeah, I should. Well, I'll watch it in the airport. Usually, uh, uh, I don't know what airline I'm on, but some of the planes have that mm-hmm. a Dish TV on oh, there sure, so sure, I can sure. watch. So hopefully I'll be able to watch it. If not, I'll, I'll catch it uh, Monday morning. Uh, I think it's a big-time warning sign if the Browns don't win this yes, game. I agree with you. Uh, traveling all the way across the country, sitting around all day and play and i'm gonna say the browns win the game but i don't feel real confident yeah that's more my heart than my head we'll see we will see anything you want to bring in on the uh faith family side anything you're studying right now anything you're reading no i just uh i think about uh you do this and i do this and i want to encourage people you know i don't want to 
I want to be careful never to judge because it's not my position to judge. But I want to encourage people. And you do this every morning. I do this every morning. Find time just to, to listen. Mm-hmm. And whether it's praying or reading scriptures or uh, just listen and calm down. Because, you know, there's so much in our world. There's so much noise. You know, especially we're, we're into the, the political season and there's so much noise. And I encourage everybody to be civically engaged but also find time for quiet and peace and reflection and who you want to be and who you want to portray. And it's funny that, you know, when I get caught up and I get hectic and I get busy, I don't have a lot of peace in my life. But if I start my day and, and I started it this morning with a, uh, a Catholic thing called the St. Michael Chaplet and just it was focusing, just gets my mind focused on on God and what I have, and who's around me, and what can I do, and how can I uh, implement this into my life? How can I apply it to my everyday living? When I do that in the mornings, I tend to have a better day, and then I can tend to handle things that don't go well throughout the day with a lot more patience and resilience and uh, just a better way of dealing with life as life's issues come and the day's issues come, good and bad. Yeah, I concur with that too. That's uh, been a priority for me, excuse me, the last six months. And I'm resolved that it has to be a priority for me going forward. Uh, It's amazing when you you lose your job where your focus goes. Yes, it is. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, that's truth though. That's your truth. No, you go back to your, I mean, it's, you know, in football and sports, we talk about going back to your fundamentals. For us, that's our fundamental. Is that faith? So we appreciate you guys listening. Spielman and Hooley podcast. Uh, what do you think? Saturday, you're going to be able to join after the uh, Miami game. That one's going to end around six. We don't always wait till it ends, and I yeah. don't think we'll need to wait till it ends on Saturday. Uh, uh, we'll keep you apprised on Twitter. Yeah, I'll do my we'll best. Let you know, yeah. Chris is uh, very good with his time on the road, and we'll try to have something for you after the game. We really appreciate the way you supported the podcast. Uh, continue to email the show Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com. Review it. Please review our podcast.com. And we'll post a link in the show notes, and you can always find the podcast at SpielmanandHooley.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.